who could be this year's TCU and try to bust the blue chip ratio? If this is the College Football Daily, I am Lance Glenn. Bud Elliott's annual blue chip ratio is out. For those who don't know, Bud's blue chip ratio determines which teams can actually win a national title in any given season. He determined that in order to do so, over 50% of your roster needs to be comprised of four or five star prospects. Now, it's not a guarantee you'll win a national title if that happens, but based on history, without a 50% blue chip ratio, it is very unlikely that your team will be hoisting the trophy at the end of the season. TCU last year came close to busting it, but unfortunately we're obviously unable to do so. Can anyone be this year's TCU and finish the job? Well, joining me to talk about a few teams that could potentially get it done is 24-7 Sports National College football writer, Chris Hummer. Chris, how you doing? Thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Happy to be on. Thanks. So, Chris, let's start with Florida State. Now, the Seminoles are interesting, right? Because while they're under the 50% in terms of players they've signed out of high school, a large portion of their talent has come via the transfer portal, right? So they're obviously one of the teams this offseason garnering the most hype, one of those media darlings of sorts with all the talent that they do bring back. But it really will be interesting to see with, again, being under the 50% in terms of high school signees, how they'll do with the way that they've built this roster. I think Florida State is the most interesting litmus test in college football this season, not just for blue chip ratio and busting blue chip ratio potentially, but just on the whole because of the way they've used the transfer portal. Really what Florida State has done is they assemble a roster full of very good players, maybe not elite players, except at a few positions like Jared Burst is an elite player. I would argue Jordan Travis is an elite college quarterback, but there's a lot of really good players across the roster. Maybe not a lot of first and second round draft picks on the roster, but a lot of really, really good college players. And the question is whether a portal strategy that brought in a lot of those guys, put them on the same roster and kind of taped them together over the years can stack up against the Georgias, the Ohio States and the Alabamas of the world, those teams that have recruited lights out for years and years and years. And I think we'll find out pretty quickly. Florida State opens the season against LSU. Florida State gets Clemson in the regular season. If Florida State can win those two games, I think there's a little doubt they're a national championship contender and Clem plus bust blue chip ratio. So um, I'm just very fascinated by this FSU team. I think outside of one or two other programs nationally this year, they are the most fascinating team to follow. Yeah, they really are. And I like how you put it. They may not have a lot of elite first rounders. They do have some, but they have a lot of those guys who could see themselves as mid round picks, you know, day three sort of picks uh, that are really good college football players do have, you know, NFL potential down the road. Another team I want to bring up a team that I think eventually over the next couple of seasons, we will see in the blue chip ratio. We will see over that 50% as they stack more and more classes, but they're not there yet is Tennessee. Now, obviously, Tennessee, the biggest question mark they have, I think, going into the season is replacing Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton's obviously there. They brought in Nico Iamaleava. Likelihood is Milton is going to start, of course, at quarterback to at least begin the season. But you don't know how he's going to be since he hasn't started a full year since he was at Michigan. And he's obviously been behind Hooker the last couple seasons. So how do you feel about Tennessee? As again, I think eventually they'll become a team that's over that 50%, maybe the next year or two. But at least right now, they are still under that 50%, but have pretty big aspirations and pretty big hopes. Absolutely. Tennessee is an interesting one. As you said, I think a lot of this comes down to who Joe Milton is. Like Joe Milton is a guy who's twice been benched in his career as a starting quarterback, once in Michigan and once in Tennessee. So I can understand why some people don't have a ton of optimism around him, but the word out of Tennessee with him has been extremely positive and he could not be in a more QB friendly system than what Josh Heupel runs. 
a lot of this comes down to defense as well. Like Tennessee was a pretty average defense last year. I think it finished around 50th nationally in yards allowed per play. And it's really difficult for that defense to play across from the veer and shoot system that Josh Heifel runs. Um, they play with tempo and just like, frankly, it's difficult down to down for the defense to keep up. I think we saw that occur in some of their games against um, high caliber opponents last year and Tennessee struggled defensively in those games. This is, again, maybe not the best put out thought, manufactured thought here, but the veer and shoot system that Josh Heupel employs was created by Art Riles at Baylor, and it was made to help close the talent gap. I'll be very curious to see as Tennessee gets more talented, as Tennessee will continue to get more talented, how it holds up across an entire season when that tempo can ultimately harm your defense in must-win situations. If Tennessee can find more of a balance there, defense can take a bit of a step forward and the offense can maintain the pace it was last year. Tennessee is legitimately a national title contender. You just have to combine those elements and beat Georgia, which is probably the element I should have mentioned first because you're not beating Georgia, you're not getting out of the East. And that's that's the first step for Tennessee. That is the first step and that's ultimately a big step, right? Because like you said, if you don't beat Georgia, if you don't win the SEC East and get an opportunity to play in the SEC title game, then likelihood is you may make the playoff but likelihood is you'll still have to get past georgia eventually down the road whether that's in the college ball playoff or to potentially win a national title like correct me if i'm wrong lance tennessee is the only team that plays alabama and georgia every single year right like i would think so i'd have to look back at the schedules don't quote me on that i think you might be right i mean they played them both last year and i think that was just unlucky obviously for tennessee granted they did beat alabama but i do think they play alabama in tuscaloosa this season if i'm correct as well as obviously playing georgia both being in the SEC East. I think that one is in Knoxville, as obviously it was in Athens this past year. So I think you might be right. You know? Yeah, the, the, I believe they're the only two. I was thinking Auburn had them every other year. But yeah, mm-hmm. so Tennessee is their natural cross-division rival. Yeah. So like Tennessee just has to do something every year that almost <laughs> never, no other team in college football does, which is beat arguably the two best teams in college football. That's what makes Tennessee a really tough inclusion here in addition to the other stuff we talked about. Absolutely. You got to think, uh, you got to take into all the factors. And obviously scheduling is a big one when it comes to whether or not your team even has a chance to compete in the playoff and for a national title. Let's go to the Pac-12 and look at Washington, right? Another team that I think as the years go on, could eventually find themselves in that blue chip ratio. Obviously, the recruiting the last few cycles before Kalen DeBoer came in uh, left a lot to be desired. But now that Kalen DeBoer is here, uh, they are starting to get a little uptick in recruiting. Eventually could find themselves in, like I just said. Uh, But the Huskies, they have Michael Penix, could find himself as a first-round quarterback in next year's NFL draft if he has another really good season. So behind him, this legitimately gives Washington at least hopes to potentially make a playoff run in the Pac-12. If Washington didn't lose a really, a really bad game against Arizona State last year, they should not have lost that game on the road. Like Washington might have made the college football playoff in 2022. Obviously, they had that road loss to UCLA, but taking that Arizona State loss off the schedule puts Washington in the Pac-12 championship game and a one loss Washington might get into the 14 playoff anyway. So this team wasn't too far away. And what I love about Washington is they have an elite offense, an elite quarterback and two elite wide receivers. And In college football, the biggest separator in my mind is elite quarterback play and elite skill player play. And Washington has that in spades. What needs to happen for Washington, a little bit like what we talked with Tennessee, is its defense needs to take a step forward. And Washington's defense was terrible last year, measurably worse than Tennessee's. And the 111th worst passing defense in the country, that has to get better for the Huskies. The Huskies brought in Jabbar Muhammad from Oklahoma State, a multi-year starter there, four-star transfer uh, for the 24-7 sports rating. Hopefully for for Washington, he can help bolster that group. 
But if that defense gets a little bit better and Michael Penix can maintain the same pace he had last year, there's no reason why Washington can't win the Pac-12 and go to the college football playoff. Washington gets Utah at home. Washington gets Oregon at home. Washington gets Washington State at home. So other than a trip to USC, all of their toughest games on the season are at home. So the schedule sets up pretty well for the Huskies potentially. Let's stick with the Pac-12 and look at Utah. Now, obviously the Utes just missed out on being a playoff team again last season. Obviously they beat USC twice, once in the regular season, uh, and obviously beat them in the Pac-12 title game, which kept the Trojans from making the playoffs as well. Uh, But Utah, again, returns a lot. Quarterback Cameron Rising is back too. So we talked about with Michael Penix giving it one more go. Cameron Rising going to do the same thing. And obviously he was a a big returnee for the Utes and Kyle Whittingham heading into this season. So again, another team where we know that they can compete and can win a Pac-12 title because they've shown it. So now if they're able to kind of just get over that last hump, maybe only have one loss or have an undefeated season. Obviously, they did suffer that tough loss to Florida earlier in the year last year. But if they can just get over that one hump, maybe have an undefeated season, then we could potentially see the Utes under that 50%, but in the college football playoff next year. Yeah, I think you'd be silly to bet against Utah. Just look at what Kyle Whittingham's done the last... So the last three full seasons of college football, not counting 2020, Utah won 10 games in 2022, 10 games in 2021, 11 games in 2019. Really, you go back to 2019, they won nine games. Like this has been a consistent Pac-12 contender for more than half a decade, for almost half a decade now. And Utah's recruiting better than it ever has. They just had the best all-time class in program history this past season. They were in the top 25 of the country. Kyle Whittingham has put more talent on this roster than there has ever been in the past. So I think Utah is positioned to continue being atop the Pac-12. The problem for me with Utah this year and the reason why I had a hard time including them is the schedule. I don't know what Utah did to the schedule makers, but like they pissed them off. So to start the season, Utah plays Florida, Baylor, UCLA, and Oregon State all before at the end of September. That's brutal. And then in the middle of the season, in a four-week stretch, they go to USC, host Oregon, and have to go to Washington. So they are getting the worst possible setup of the Pac-12 schedule, at least among the big contenders. Plus, they have a brutal non-conference schedule. But if Utah can get through all of that, they are certainly a legitimate national title contender. And I mean, I don't know if I'd bet on them to make the college football playoff, but I have a hard time doubting Cameron Rising and that whole um, Utah offense after what we've seen the last couple of years. I think they're going to continue to be one of the best teams in the Pac-12. So Chris, the last team... To discuss, I mentioned them in the opening about how they almost busted the blue chip ratio last year. So we might as well them this year too. TCU, they shockingly got to the college football playoff championship game last season. They obviously lost pretty badly to Georgia. Granted, most teams lost pretty badly to Georgia, but they were able to get past Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. Yet here they are again, not talked about as much. We obviously know how great of a coach Sonny Dykes is. He showed how great that offense can be. They have quarterback questions in terms of Max Duggan leaving for the NFL. Quinn Johnson, their first-round wide receiver, is now also in the NFL, lost a lot on defense too. So the question marks are there, but they were there last season too, and TCU was able to get to the championship game. So it's really tough to count TCU out again, if if at all, uh, heading in now to 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could certainly argue TCU caught lightning in the bottle a season ago. Um, they went nine and one in games decided by 10, point or, 10 points or less. And that's a formula that doesn't usually hold up over time. There's a bit of luck involved to winning close games. But at the same time, like, I don't think there's going to be much of a drop off at TCU this year in terms of talent. Um, I don't think there's any drop off losing Max Duggan and going to Chandler Morris. I think people forget Chandler Morris was the starter to open last season for a reason. I think you can argue 
from a skill set standpoint that he is more talented than Max Duggan. He might not be better. I think Max Duggan's leadership carried a lot of weight in that locker room and his ability to run the football meant a lot to the offense. But I think Chandler Morris is going to be really dangerous in that system. TCU has a ton of skill talent at wide receiver. Some of it brought in via the transfer portal. Some of it left over on the roster. I think the defense is actually in better shape in a lot of ways than it was a year ago with their transfer portal additions and some of the younger players that have continued to get better. The question for TCU is whether it can make it unscathed in the Big 12 again. I think you could argue it could. The way the schedule sets up, I think TCU could pretty easily be 7-0 to start the year. They get a really easy portion of the uh, Big 12 early on, plus their most difficult game in non-conference is arguably SMU, not Colorado. So there's a path for TCU there. It's just going to it's just going to be interesting how they get through a five-game stretch to end the season. They have to go to Kansas State. They have to go to Texas Tech, they have to go to Oklahoma, and they host Texas and they host Baylor all at the end of the year. So if TCU can make it through that, go 11-1 and again, or go 12-0 and like they did in the regular season, this could easily be a team in the college football playoff mix. Rambling a little bit here, I still don't really think TCU is in a position to beat the Georges of the world, but I think TCU could at least be in the conversation again. Um, I know, I'm not sure if you're going to ask me in summary, Lance, but I would say off this list, the only team I would really bet on to play for a national championship is Florida State, and that's even a maybe but I think as we saw last year crazy things can happen great quarterback play can carry a team really far if they have health and a little bit of luck and all five of these teams are positioned to do so if things break right for them yeah you make a really good point there quarterback play could very well be the difference we saw that with TCU and Max Duggan last season uh, busting essentially the blue chip ratio not winning a national title but at least competing for one when you look at this list of quarterbacks Jordan Travis Joe Milton Michael Penix uh, Chandler Morris Cameron Rising, five great quarterbacks that could carry a team and five quarterbacks that we've seen get it done at the power five level. So it will be really interesting to see if any of these candidates can surprise like TCU did last season and find themselves not only in the playoff, but competing for a national title. Chris, thanks so much for coming on and joining me. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. Remember to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to head on over to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and click that subscribe button. So thanks for listening to the college football daily 